Amen, church. That was bad. Amen. Amen. Come on. Jesus makes himself known through miracles. Just by show of hands, are the miracles still coming in? Amen. It's still happening. He's still revealing himself to you. That's how awesome God is. Is that saying that says, it never rains, but it pours. This year we're in a season that it's pouring miracles in us, through us, and around us. So that Jesus can be made known in this generation, in this time that we are living in. And what a privilege to be part of that journey. Amen. I'm super excited. Last night while going through my notes, tired, sitting there, had a long workshop with a lot of people. But as I was going through the notes, I was flooded with emotions. It was just a crash of emotions and I was just pouring out tears. And God was just showing me all throughout my life, His miracle working power, His unending journey to make Him known to me. Before I got saved, while I got saved, and after I got saved, He is still the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. I will share some of those stuff that happened to me as I'm talking. But just this last two weeks, about three weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago, radio calls me and says, we want to come and you to share testimony. I said, okay, set a date in two weeks' time. But that week, because that week it was praying fasting, they phoned me the day, the week in the praying fasting. They said, no, 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 no. God said you must share this week. And so we set up a time. We did some, some talking, share some testimonies, share about the miracle working power of God and what the Lord has done in my life. We sit and chat on the radio for about an hour. People were calling in from all over the country, Joburg, Durban, PE, Cape Town, Bloemfontein, wherever, that they were encouraged and they were stirred with faith and that they have a hope that God can still do miracles in their life. And I was just so encouraged. And the other day, I think Friday, last Friday, while we were in that week of prayer and fasting, I was walking at our usual, me and Anthony's mutual spot there in Somerset West. And I was popping in because I had a meeting with somebody, so I couldn't pray with my regular group. But the Lord said, just go to these businessmen and go ask them, what can you pray for them for their businesses? So I paused my meeting. I said, just wait here quickly. I went into the other room. I said, is there any one of you that's trusting God for a miracle for your business this week? And the two of them said, yes, I'm battling and I'm struggling and I can't get two jobs right. The other one says, well, I don't have work, but I'm looking for work. So I said, okay, let's pray. That same day, the one guy phoned me. He says, well, 
I was calling in a specialist to come and help me with a job, and it would have cost me a lot of money. But he says, as I was calling the specialist, the Lord dropped the word of wisdom in me in terms of how to do the job, and I got it right within a matter of minutes. He says, and God came through for me. A couple of days later, he phones me again. He says, I have another news. The other job that I was battling with, God dropped the word of wisdom and knowledge in me. I fixed the job, and God came through for me. And the guy that I had lost his job. He phoned me Friday. He said to me, Mario, I just wanted to tell you, I got a phone call all the way out of Brazil. They want me to fly over for a conference, do the conference, and set up meeting with potential clients. He says, and after that, they're flying me to India to set up more meetings there for more clients. And I said, come on, praise God. He is still the miracle working God. He's still doing great stuff in our lives today. Amen. I want to share my scripture today. And it is in John chapter 6. From the 16 to 21. And this is the amazing story of Jesus walking on the water. The story just had other meaning to me this week. A total different meaning. It is one of the short stories, but so powerful. It says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the Sea of Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near to the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to make him, to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Father, I pray that you will bless you with today. Come and stir our hearts, come and stir our faith. You said that he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Come, Father, I pray, Lord, for sanctified ears, circumcised hearts. So that we might hear your word today. What you did 2,000 years ago. You are still doing today. And Father I pray that today. This morning. That you will draw us into your world. In Jesus name. Amen. I love the ending of that song. Of miracles. That we don't have to wait. For the sermon. So that we can have miracles. We don't have to wait for the ministry time. That we can encounter miracles. We can sit expectantly right now. And God can do miracles. The same Jesus that walked through the streets of Jerusalem. Is the same Jesus that walks through these church pews. Touching people. Changing lives. Healing sicknesses, delivering people, providing for the 5,000 or how many thousands. He is the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So a couple of years ago, we started a, a prison ministry. I helped a friend of mine to start a prison ministry. 
And so I sat and I asked him, so what are you going to call this ministry? He says, I want to call this ministry Walking on Water. So this is a prison ministry. And the two of us, we would go into the prison ministry. And we would say we're walking on water. And so later, I started writing something like for a blog or a post or something for him. And I said, no, 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 no. We should change this name of Walking on Water and make it like the subtitle. But let makes the woe the, the big title, Wow, Walking on Water. Look at somebody and say, wow. I'm going to walk on water. Ah, oh, come on, you don't believe it. Say, I'm going to walk on water. You won't fall. You won't slip. You won't. You're going to walk on water. If Peter could walk on water, so could we. Amen. So I was encouraged with this song. It's an old song. I, I heard it from, from John Legend, but it's not actually his song, but it's an old song of Sir Elvis Presley. And it says the song from those folks of you that's a little more grayer than me. Uh, might know this one, The Bridge Over Troubled Waters. It says, when you're weary and feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, he says, I will dry them all. I'm on your side. Oh, when times get rough and friends can't be found, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay me down. Like a breach over troubled water, I will lay me down. When you are down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I will take your part. Oh, when darkness comes and pain is all around, he says, like a breach over troubled waters, I will lay me down. Like a breach over troubled waters, I will lay me down. The biblical scene that we are reading about Jesus becoming this breach for Peter to walk on. Jesus becoming this breach over the storm. Jesus becoming this breach over the difficulties of life. Jesus says, I will lay me down. And last night as I was contemplating this, I started to realize that every miracle that I experienced in my life, Jesus was literally laying his life down for me so that I can walk over to the other side. I was thinking. One day I was looking down. Five barrels of guns. In my face, in my head. And it's okay if one gun can't fire. But if all guns fail to fire, that's God's miracle. I said to you the testimony when I was about to die. And I cried unto God. And He healed me from two broken ribs and a broken nose. With nobody touching me or laying a hand on me. That's God. I one day came, couldn't drive at that time. I had a bicycle that one of my dear friends from every nation gave me. 
And so I was doing the Somerset West area, and I didn't know a lot of streets, and we stayed there in Strand. And so I had to go from Strand to Somerset West, but because I'm new, I'm thinking, okay, I'll take the bike and drive a different road this time to Somerset West so that I can kind of like start to know the area. So I came all the way to Somerset West. I passed, what's that, HH school, and then I came at the railway line. And I'm thinking, so now I'm going to get over to the other side. So I'm taking my bicycle, walked all along the railway line up until there's a, a little bridge that crosses the river. The river goes under it and there's a little bridge. And I thought, okay, I can walk over this bridge and then I'm in Somerset West. So now I'm putting my bicycle on the back, back wheel. And I'm starting to have a pair of slippers on and a short pants and a t-shirt. And I have this bicycle popped it on the back wheel, so it goes bumping, bumping on this railway line. But as I'm right in the middle of the bridge, it's, it's quite, quite the distance, I'm right in the middle of the bridge. I looked up, and the train was right in front of me. Because the railway was just making a bend, just where the bridge is. I saw the train, and I thought within a moment, I must either run towards the train, or I must turn around and run off the, off, the, off the bridge. I'm right in the middle. And I said to myself, you're going to be faster because you're going to see the train when you run towards the train. But as I'm pulling away and running, there is no ground under this bridge because there's a river running. And as I'm running, I'm taking one step, two step, and I fell in the bridge. And I got stuck in the bridge with this leg got stuck in the bridge. My bicycle is laying like this over the railway line. It, the driver was so close, I could see his face in the window, and he's hooting with his train. People were probably thinking I was trying to commit suicide. But at that moment, I didn't know what happened. Up until today, I can't tell you what happened, because right between that two beams, my leg was literally stuck. It, I couldn't get it out. Somebody picked me up out of the railway with my bicycle and put me next to the train. And as I was standing at the train, the train comes by. And everybody was shouting at me, are you crazy? And that day I realized that there was just the supernatural power of God. Because there was no one on that bridge that took me out of that with my bicycle, and placed me next to the railway lines. And I was standing in, in I, I remember I had, to, I had to preach that Sunday, and my sermon that Sunday was, don't take shortcuts. <laughs> so, so I was so shocked, full of shock, and I was carrying my bicycle. I was walking bare feet at this time now, and I was walking in a bunch of thorns. I came to, to Somerset, I'm now too scared of getting on this bike. And I'm walking with this bike down the main road, but I'm still full of shock. And the cars just come passing me by. Everybody's hooting me. It took me some time that night to realize that God just saved your life. God just saved your life. He's still the miracle working God. The biblical scene of a breach over troubled waters. He's my breach. He became my breach. 
And like we heard last, last week of Jesus feeding the 5,000, massive miracle happened. The faith of the people was stirred. They just saw Jesus feeding 5,000 men. If you include the women and the children, it would have been well over 20,000 people that he fed with how many fish? Oh, who listened Sunday? <laughs> how many fish? And how many loaves of bread? Come on. But after the miracle, after that miracle, the people wanted to make him king. The people wanted to make, turn things into their own hands. I will raise up my hand first and say how many times I'm waiting for a savior and then God takes too long and then I'm trying to make my own plans. For them, the people was waiting for years for a savior. And when they saw the miracles that Jesus did, they wanted to make them king. But Jesus didn't come to save them from their hunger. He came to save them from eternal death. He didn't come to be a political leader. As we sometimes want to have faith in somebody. But he came to be a spiritual leader. That would lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. Jesus came for this reason. To set the captives free. He didn't come for a golden crown. But for a crown of thorns. His weapons was not of this world. But his weapons, his strength, everything, the Bible says he got from his father. Amen? The Bible says that the disciples was on the water. Jesus sent them there. When he realized that the people and the crowd is also going to tempt the disciples, that they also want him to be a physical king. And it was at that moment... When Jesus first sent their disciples away. Without them knowing he was actually saving them. In the other accounts of the gospel. The Bible says that Jesus sent them away. They didn't go out of their own accord. They wanted to be amongst the crowds. They wanted to be amongst the people that says. You must be our king. But Jesus knowing the hearts of the people. He sent his disciples away. Sometimes God sends us away and we don't know why. We want to be with the crowds. We want to be and we want to go with the streams. But sometimes God knows what's best for us. That he knows that sometimes we would not be able to say no to the temptation of pride. We will not be able to say no to the temptation that says, I made this happen. It's because I studied four years for a degree. That's why I got a job. That's why I earned so much money. And we want to take all the credit. But we forget it's all about Him. That gave us the ability and the resources to become who we are. So many people try to live without Christ in their lives. They face storms in their marriages. And they want to do it without Him. 
They face storms in their children and they want to do it without him. They face storms in this life and they think they can do it without him. I've tried that and I failed miserably. That I had to cry out unto God, Jesus saves me because I'm busy drowning. And when you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and put your faith in him, you realize a true sense of destiny. When the disciples welcomed Jesus into the boat, and finally they made the miraculous becomes possible. When they said to Jesus, get into the boat, get into my storm, get into my situation. The Bible says that immediately the storm calmed down. Jesus commanded the storm to come down. But the amazing part is that when Jesus was in the boat, the scripture goes on and it says, and then they were on the other side. Without Jesus, you can't get to the other side. You're going to get stuck in your problems. You need to allow him to get into your situation. Get into your boat. So that we can get through the storm to the other side. There's one scripture that Jesus prayed for his disciples. And he says, Father, I don't pray that you will take them out of the world. I don't pray that you will take them out of the troubles. I don't pray that you will take them out of the difficulties. I don't pray that you will take them out of this, take them out of that. But I pray that you will give them the courage to go through it. And when the disciples were there, it was a moment of building character so that they can go through the storm instead of going over the storm. He empowers the progress and He enables our purposes. It was Jesus' command that set them out to reach for Capernaum. Their destination wasn't of their own choice. Their destination was out of His choice. Jesus sent them to where He wanted them to go. How many times we plot our own journey, our own destination, where we want to be in life, and then we just invite Jesus for a come-along friend. How many times? Like I said, that one scripture, when I, that, that one phrase, when I asked this, when I asked this missionary when he retired or was done with ministry, I said, Papa Dave, what can you teach me for after being 50 years in ministry? You entering out, I'm, exit, I'm entering in. You exiting, I'm entering. He looks at me, he says, Mario, after 50 years of ministry, Jesus changed my prayer life. I'm not praying now, Lord, bless this, Lord, bless that, Lord, bless this. I'm praying now, Lord, please save me from my great ideas. And I'm telling you, I have a lot of great ideas. I'm a visionary and I see stuff and I, I come up with ideas and stuff. And many times I have to go on my knees and say, Lord, please save me from my great ideas. What is your will for my life? What is the road that you are plotting for my life? What is the destination that you want me to reach for my life? I know storms are going to come, but he empowers our progress and he enables our purposes. It says, and when God has a plan for every life, 
He does not leave you adrift on the sea of life. But He will never, we will never achieve our purposes without Him. The moment the master was received into the ship, there was progress. And soon after that, they were on the other side. Church, if you ain't in the boat, you're going to sink. If you ain't in the business, you're going to sink. You might make a lot of money, but you can still sink. If you ain't in the marriage, it's going to sink. I said to my wife when we were still dating, I said to her, look here. If Jesus ain't the center of this thing that's happening now, it's not going to work. We're going to try, but it's not going to work. So let's start good. Let's make him the center of this whole thing. And I'm telling you, this year is 10 years of marriage. But because we've made him the center of it all, he's taken us through so much storms. And we are still standing. He needs to be in the boat, people. He can't be out of the boat. Put Jesus in the boat. Mm. Okay, lots of pages. Don't worry, it's only three points. Don't, don't, don't be scared. Right? It's 3D Sunday, so I thought, okay, let's also um, just highlight three points that I, wanted to, <laughs> that I wanted to highlight. And the first point that I said that Jesus is sovereign over our dilemmas. Jesus is sovereign over our problems. Jesus is sovereign over our weaknesses, over our sicknesses, over our diseases, over our incapabilities, Jesus is sovereign over it all. If Jesus was sovereign over the storms of life, he would be sovereign over the storms that you're facing as well. The second thing that I'm going to talk about is that Jesus is sovereign over your deliverance. Because he determines when, how, that you're going to be set free. And sometimes we want it to happen now, but he determines that. And the last point I'm going to try to make is that Jesus is sovereign over our destination, where we need to be. Amen? So be with me, follow me for a short while. We're going to get to the destination after two hours. Okay. <laughs> I want to encourage you, church. I had some friends that comes up to me and they asked me, Mario, why now that I've received Jesus in my life, it's going worse than with me than before? Why is it not getting better? Why am I feeling like I'm sinking lower and lower? I want you to encourage church that if we have the notion that he's going to get better, when we follow Jesus, it won't. It won't. Jesus said the same way that I was going to be persecuted, you're going to be persecuted. What they did to me, they're going to want to do to you. 
And if we look at the persecution that Jesus went through, how he was scorned and spit upon and abused and ridiculed and sweared at and rejected and turned away from, how do we expect that we're going to live a rose-filled life? When he said what they did to me, they're going to do to you. I'm not saying this to make you scared. I'm saying this because this is the reality when we choose to follow Jesus and he says you need to pick up your cross and follow me daily. If it was something else, it would have been good. You know, to carry something light and fluffy and nice to cuddle, it would be good. But he gave us a cross. A cross to carry. Jesus is sovereign over our dilemmas. And get, check this. When we're not obeying God, sometimes goes bad with us. But when we do obey God, it sometimes goes bad with us. Whether you choose to obey Him, or whether you choose to disobey Him, there's going to be storms in this life. How much more when you go through a storm, but you realize I'm not alone in this, that He is with me. How much more? Church, we are on a place of great peril. Peril meaning a place of distress, a place of great danger, a place of immediate danger. We are in that place every day of our lives. Danger that we're struggling to keep our heads above the water. We are on our knees the whole time. We don't know what's happening. Like the disciples, they were in this place of great danger. And when did the disciples find themselves in this place of peril? It's when they obeyed the Lord and began to cross the lake. One way to find yourself in trouble is to obey the Lord. I've made a decision like we used to sing that song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. But because I've made that choice to follow Jesus, it hasn't been easy for me. But it makes it all the worthwhile when I'm doing it. Every time I'm overcoming, it makes it worthwhile because I know it was not me, it was all Him. Every time I'm crossing a lake, I know it was not me, it was not Him. This was not the first rodeo that the disciples had to go through. This was the second time in a storm on a boat. But check what? The first time Jesus was sitting with them in the boat. And they were comforted when the storm came, they just woke Him up. Hey, here's a storm. The second time, he sent them out alone in the boat. The same sea, the same lake, on the boat, but alone. And he went up to pray. Sometimes we think Jesus is doing nothing. We're in the storm and we're wondering where he is. What is he doing? Why has he abandoned me? Why has he forsaken me? Why do I have to go through this alone? 
Sometimes we think he has abandoned us. But the purpose of Jesus sending his disciples on the boat alone was not to abandon them. He went on this hill to pray, or on this mountain, as the Bible says, to pray. But in this place where he was praying, he could look right down on the sea or on the lake, and he could see his disciples in the boat. We think Jesus has let us down, but he was there all along watching them, praying for them, making intercession for them. Now Jesus, he didn't go up to a mountain to pray. He went and he seated at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you while you're going through your storm. And when he sees that you're in the storm, the Bible says that he will send you a helper, a comforter, a counselor, that he will walk through you and with you when you go through that storm. He haven't left us, nor has he abandoned us, but he is with us. He's making intercession for you. You might feel that you're in this place of great danger, but my God, he is there. He is there all along. You need to take a moral stand for Jesus Christ. And when you do that, consequently, your friends will turn their back on you. I had a lot of friends all over Cape Flats. I don't have one of them now. I had a lot of people because I traveled a lot in my BC days. Not because I wanted to, but because I was wanted. (laughs) But I had a lot of friends. And when I gave my life to the Lord... They asked me this question. My bro, so why did you abandon us? They asked me this question. They phoned me. And I could hear they were sitting in a, in a room and there was a party going. And they put their phone on loudspeaker. And this was five minutes before I had to go preach. And they phoned me while I was preparing and I'm going to go preach now. And they say, and they were lick at the kharuk. And they were saying, my bro. Why did you abandon us? And I said, my brothers and my sisters are those, the ones that do the will of the Lord. And that was my response to them. I switched off the phone. I preached and many people got saved that night. Your friends will turn your back on you. When you decide to live a godly life, the result might be that your unbelieving spouse might want to do nothing with you. I had a spiritual mom. She was an English lady from England. And her husband kicked her out of the house with the three daughters because he chose Christ. And from that day up until now, she's now, what, almost 80. She's still a missionary doing mission work because she chose the Lord. Raising three kids all on her own. Whether you go to school and your classmates laugh at you. I want to tell you, my friends, when you in that place of distress, Jesus is praying for you. He's making intercession. I've been at times, I know when my daughter, 
my wife was pregnant. We almost lost the baby. And she was about 22 weeks or something. Um, and we were sitting at the hospital, and the doctor said, you must go now. You, you must be booked into the hospital and whatever. And we were sitting there at the hospital, and I became paralyzed. I couldn't even pray for my own wife and for my unborn child. I was just paralyzed. I couldn't pray for myself. And I just got on the phone, and I just sent a WhatsApp to some of my intercessory friends. And I said, guys, just please pray. She went into the hospital. I booked her in because the doctor said they're going to have to keep her there up until the baby comes. So it's just going to be there for a couple of weeks. And then they have to do an emergency surgery. And I was sitting there. A couple of hours later, they phoned when the doctor came. They said, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You can go home. And God healed her. Today we have a beautiful daughter. And God healed her. He restored her. So you're not in it alone. But he is praying for you. And he is making intercession for you. Amen. Who are you crying out to when you're in that place of distress and trouble? Maybe you were in that boat and trying to save your own life. We can't save our own lives. We can't save our own lives. I had to cry out to God when I was about to die. Not once. Not twice. A couple of times I was about to die. I was reminded last night as I was sitting and thinking about the miracles Jesus did in my life. I was seeing my clothes that I used to wear. When my enemies would come and confront me, they would shoot at me. My clothes were full of bullet holes. But there was not one hole in my body. Who was that? Who was that? It wasn't because I was so nice and so clever and so fast and so whatever. My clothes were full of bullet holes. Not once, not twice. It was him. But I had to cry out to him. Jesus is sovereign over our deliverance. He initiates the moment of deliverance. We don't. He initiates it. He says, when is the right time to do? I can tell you, I've prayed for people and they got healed. I've prayed for people, they got delivered. I've prayed for broken legs and the cast came out. I've prayed for deaf ears and the people will say, I can hear. But then I prayed for people and nothing happened. Because I wasn't the one that initiates the deliverances and the healings. He is the one. I'm not the one that's in charge. He is the one. Christ in me, the hope of glory. He initiates your deliverance. Amen? He initiates your deliverance. And he illustrates the means of deliverance. I said, God healed me. Nobody touched me. 
Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody. There were other times where people had to anoint me with oil, where people had to pray for me, when people had to nurse me. God initiate the means of our deliverances. How it comes, when it comes, how he says, it's not about us, it's about him. When you're in that boat, he decides. He could have walked over the storm, but he walked on the storm. He could have just blown and the boat would have been to the other side, but he walked to the disciples on the storm. Storm. And when they were in that boat, he called them. He says, Peter, come here. I want you to come to me. I want you to be part of this miracle. You see, God wants us to be part of the miracle. He wants to co-labor with us to be part of the journey to bring restoration, deliverance, and healing. He just doesn't want us to sit back in the boat and do nothing. He wants us to join with him. Peter, come. And join me on this journey of overcoming the storms of life. Whether you're on the place of needing to receive that miracle. Or whether you're in the place of needing to join Jesus to do the miracle. He needs you. Amen. He needs you. I want to end up. He is the message of deliverance. See, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man goes to the Father except through me. My friends, if you haven't received Jesus in your life, not after what we've been through, with COVID, with death, with everything, you can't reach the Father except through Him. You can't reach your destination except through Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You need to make Him part of your life. And if you haven't cried out to God, I don't want you to leave this building without crying out to Him. If you haven't made Him part of your life, I don't want you to leave out of this room without Him. Yes, God can do miracles for you. Yes, God can heal you. Yes, God can restore you. But the greatest miracles that God wants to do is to raise you from death and bring you into life. Is to take you out of the kingdom of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light. That is the greatest miracle that Jesus wants to do in your life. That is the greatest storm that Jesus is interested in doing in your life. So that you won't die, but that you will have eternal life and lastly Jesus is sovereign over our destination he is sovereign over our destination my friends where are you heading where are you on your way to I wept last night when Jesus reminded me if it wasn't for me you would haven't been here Where are you heading? If you're taking this bus, if you're taking this boat, if you're taking this train, if you're taking this life journey without Him, it won't last forever. It will be a seasonal thing in your life. But with Him, it becomes permanent, everlasting, and forever. Amen? I don't know how your boat looks like. I'm every day of my life, 
I wake up and I'm on a faith journey. Every day I see miracles. Small, big, massive. Every day. I've asked God for miracles. Every day. I said, God, every day I want to see a miracle. Show me where can I pray. Show me where can I get involved. I want to see one every day. I want to see one in my family. I want to see one in my neighborhood. I want to see one in my business. I want to see one in the schools. I want to see, I want to see every day. I want to see miracles. Where are you moving? God wants to do a miracle in your life today. But I want to encourage you the biggest miracle is God exchanging his life for yours. It's God laying down his life for yours. Like that song says, like a breached over troubled waters, I want to lay my life down for you so that you can cross over from death into life. Amen. Come, let's stand. We can all stand in faith. But maybe God has been speaking to you today. Maybe God has been talking into your heart. And if that is you, and says, Lord, I want to receive the greatest miracle of all time. The greatest miracle in the history of time. The greatest miracle that no one has ever seen. When we say a life for a life, Jesus wants to give his life for yours. If God has been speaking to you, just put up your hand. We want to pray for you. He wants to exchange his life for yours. A moment in time. It says, and when Jesus got into the boat, immediately they were on the other side. When Jesus gets into the boat of your life, I pray immediately you will be on the other side. I don't know what your storm looks like. I don't know what winds you're facing. But immediately to the other side. If you're still trusting God for a miracle, raise your hand. If you're close to somebody that's hands are raised, come please just around them and pray for them. If you're still trusting God for a miracle, Let's just take this moment and just. Just keep your hand raised until someone. Someone has reached you. family let's stand in faith and pray
Yeah, sitting at the back in the, the fucking chair, in the fucking the corner. Mm-hmm. With his hands. Don't you want to pray for you quickly, please? Yes, Father, we thank you and we worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, Lord, there is power in your word. Lord, you said, Peter, it is I. When the disciples saw it, it was a ghost, it was a spirit, but you said, it is I. You said to Moses, when the people ask who send you, tell them, it is I. It is the great I am that has sent me to you. The same words you tell your disciples, it is I. Jesus, it is you and we gaze upon you. We look upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. The hope of glory, Father Lord. We look upon you, Father Lord, in our dilemmas and our distresses and our dangers. We look upon you, Father Lord, when we go through the storms of life. And we want to overcome and we want to cross to the other side. Lord, we look upon you when we cry out unto your name. Because it is only you that can take us to the other side. Come, Father Lord, why don't you hold our hands? Why don't you encourage our faith today that we will go to the other side. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will fall afresh upon us, Lord, that we will go to the other side. You said, I pray not, Lord, that we would overcome the storms, but I pray that we would go through the storms. Lord, it is said, Father, Lord, that it was at the last hour when darkness fell upon the waters. When there was no more hope for the disciples, when they thought they were going to perish and they were going to die, it was at the hour when they tried everything and the ability to cross over to the other side, but they couldn't. It was at that hour, Father Lord, when you arrived. Lord, we had an hour, Father Lord, where we have tried everything in our own abilities, Father, to cross to the other side. But we cry upon the name of Jesus. We call upon the name of the Lord. And we say, Lord, we can't do this on our own, but we want to cross to the other side. Father, there is healing in your wings. There is strength in your wings. 
Help us to cross to the other side. In Jesus' name, we cross to the other side because you called us by our name. Oh, we worship you. Oh, shaka bonda rabashi kendri. Gushika ramunda rabashi kendri rabashi kendri. Rakhashi kugundu gushika babashi kendri. Rabunda rabashatakashi kendri. Holy Spirit, you fall afresh upon us. Fall afresh upon us. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I declare restoration. I declare healing. I declare fulfillment in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Go To the other side. Yes, Lord, to the other side. We crossing to the other side. In Jesus, you're the center of it all. Jesus, you're the center of it all. Jesus, you're the center of it all. Father, we worship you. Father, we worship you. You said, Peter, come. Peter, come to me. And Lord, the Bible says, and Peter got out of the boat. And he took his one foot, Lord, and he got out of his comfort zone. And he tested the waters, Lord. And he took his other foot, Lord, and he got out of the water. And he came. Because his eyes was on you. The author and the finisher of our faith. You said, Peter, come. It is I. And we worship you. Oh, we worship you.